This is your word to us. This is what you've called us to do each week as we gather to study your word. And so we do pray for wisdom as we study your word. That you would teach us what you want us to know about yourself, your kingdom, and your ways. Pray, O God, that you'd help me in my weakness explain this with accuracy in a helpful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One uh, teaching tool or literary tool of the Bible is contrast. So you take two things and you put those two things side by side and then you compare those two things to determine which of those is better or of more value. So for example, if you take a finely cooked meal and you place it next to a fast food meal, one is served on your best dinnerware, hours and hours of labor, and one is served in a bag cooked in 10 minutes. You place those two things together and you compare their worth, their value. Or you take a beautifully manicured lawn versus a brown, weed-filled patch of grass like ours looks like in the summer. Or you take a pair of sneakers, one that have been, you know, diligently cared for, cleaned down every day, and one that has not been cared for since it was purchased, and you compare those sneakers side by side. Comparison shows the strengths and weaknesses of those things compared. It shows the worth of one thing versus the other thing. It shows the beauty or the ugliness of the things compared. And this is what the wisdom literature of the Bible often does. It shows us two paths, showing us the outcomes of those paths in hopes that we will choose the better path. And this is what Ecclesiastes does, especially our text today, which is all of Ecclesiastes chapter 10. So just let me set up Ecclesiastes chapter 10 with a couple of things, it's important things. We're going to cover the whole chapter, which is a lot of text. Uh, it's the challenge with covering wisdom literature because it can feel a little bit all over the place. And so let me just fire a warning shot. It's going to feel like we're all over the place. But what we're doing, we're going to cover the whole section, but under this overarching theme of comparison between wisdom and folly. So while it feels like we're going in 10 different directions, we're actually not. We're comparing wisdom and folly in various circumstances. Here is the way of wisdom. Here is the way of folly. One is obviously better than the other. Hopefully, we choose the way of wisdom. The other thing to prepare us for this text is the language of chapter 10 can feel quite harsh, especially to Western ears and even more so to Northwest ears. We live in a culture which in some ways takes the idea of self-esteem to extremes, which can have negative effects. So, for example, a person who has been told, you're awesome, their whole life, without ever any correction, any sort of humbling, begins to think potentially that they can do no wrong. 
that the fault always lies with someone else. So they've been trained to only hear affirmation, but never to hear correction. So this bad decision is not my fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my church's fault. It's my boss's fault, etc., etc. The Bible, however, does not give in to that false sense of self-esteem or blame-shifting. The Bible affirms that all people are made in the image of God. The Bible affirms, therefore, all people are worthy of gentleness and respect. But the Bible also has no problem saying, he's a fool. For example, that text I quoted last week on 2 Samuel 20 about this man who comes against King David and creates an insurrection. He's introduced in 2 Samuel 20 by saying, there was this man, Sheba, a worthless man. (laughs) So for our Northwest ears, oh, that's really mean. The Bible, again, has no problem calling things as they are and loving people with wisdom and respect as image bearers of God. So prepare for that in today's text to sometimes feel a little bit uncomfortable. Third thing that we want to set this up with is this can sound like moralism. Moralism is the idea that your Christian responsibility is to try harder and do better. So if you do better, God loves you more. And if you don't do better, God loves you less. So we end up like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. He thinks he's entitled to what God owes him. And so he gets jealous and upset when he doesn't get what he thinks he deserves, but someone who doesn't deserve it gets it. But that's not the gospel. And it's not the point of the Bible's call to wisdom. If we could, you know, blazon this across the sanctuary, we would. We walk in the way of wisdom, not in order to get God to accept us. We walk in the way of wisdom because God accepts us. If you believe in Jesus, have repented from your sins and trust Him, you are already accepted in the gospel. So the call to walk in wisdom is not to get God to accept you. It's because He already has. And now we want to live in a manner worthy of that acceptance. And we cannot walk in the way of wisdom apart from the work of the Holy Spirit given to us by the work of Christ. If we leave here and say, I'm going to do this amongst my, in my own strength and power, we will fail. But God empowers us by His Holy Spirit. And then the last thing to consider as we approach this passage is to think about the gift of this passage. God is a good dad. He wants the best for his kids. A good dad or a good mom says, here's the right way. If you walk in this way, it's going to be life. Here's the bad way. If you walk in this way, it's going to be death. A good parent says, I can't make you go this way or this way, but I'm telling you, that way is life and that way is death. And that is a loving parent. In the same way God does this to us. Here's the way of life. And here's the way of death. This is the outcome of life. This is the outcome of death. 
He's being a good dad. We have no excuse because our good dad is showing us the right way to go. With that as our setup, let's dive into the text. I'm going to move really quick. Again, tying everything under this theme, wisdom compared to folly. Chapter 10, verse 1. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. If you go to your favorite restaurant and order your favorite dish and the waiter or waiter, waitress brings it to you and there's a hair in your food, it doesn't matter if it is the most spectacular meal ever been prepared. There's a hair in your food. A little folly outweighs wisdom. A wise person understands that 10 minutes of foolishness can ruin 30 years of wisdom. Mind how you go is a statement often said in British television, which I watch too much of. Mind how you go. For one sinful misstep can do a lot of damage. Again, the comparison, verse 2. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Now, before our conservatives get really happy and our liberals all leave the church, please know that this is not a political statement and it doesn't carry political connotations. There is wisdom and foolishness on all sides. In the Bible, the right hand is the hand of blessing. Jesus is at the right hand of God. The sheep in Matthew 25 go to Jesus' right and the goats go to his left in judgment. So the meaning of the text is a person who has submitted his way or her way to the Lord has been trained by wisdom. And so they find their inclinations, their default setting, going towards the path of righteousness. But the person who has allowed themselves to be trained to foolishness finds their inclinations and their default setting going to the way of foolishness. One is inclined the other. One is inclined this way. Comparison of the two. Verse 3. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. A few weeks ago, I was driving up MLK. It was on a sunny day. And I saw a guy at the bus stop with the shirt off, with big old headphones on, and he was looking at himself in the mirror of the store. And he was dancing. And he wasn't just slightly dancing. It was a full-out, looking at himself, shirt off, going to town. Now, I'm sure, with those beats in his ears, looking at his muscular flame in the, in the mirror, he was thinking, I am fire, as the kids say. He's thinking, I am, look at how good I look. But all of us driving by, looking at this guy, no judgment on his character, of course, but he didn't look probably as cool as he thinks he looks. This is often how it is with foolishness. Often the way of fools is obvious to everyone but themselves. This comparison continues. 
If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. For calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Foolishness fans the flames of anger. A wise person unnecessarily, excuse me, a wise person avoids unnecessary pain and suffering by causing the tension and angst to dissipate. Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turns away wrath. Continues. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun. As it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. In a broken world, things get turned upside down. People who are fools are promoted to places of leadership. And people who should be leading, sadly, are not. The New English Translation, sorry, New Living Translation says it this way. Kings and rulers make a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people and low positions to people of proven worth. I have seen servants riding horseback like princes and princes walking like servants. Wise people know this reality. We don't live in utopia. We will not have perfection until Jesus returns. And the sad reality is that foolish people sometimes do rule. Wise people also grieve this reality that all of human history has been marked by foolish leaders. Whether that's in government, education, industry, or even in the church. Sadly, in a sin-broken world, fools rule and those who are wise often do not. This theme of foolishness continues. Verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries a stone is hurt by them. And he who splits logs is endangered by them. Life has what commentator Michael Keaton call, Eaton calls inherent risks. But foolish people tend to always fall prey to those risks. Similar language in Psalm 7:15. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. Fools find a way to find more trouble. So an example, the Bible teaches that if someone drinks alcohol, they should do so only in moderation. But the person who refuses to only drink in moderation will constantly, likely, be making terrible decisions, potentially getting a DUI or two, potentially therefore limiting their job prospects, potentially causing further stress and angst for their family. No matter what they do, because they refuse to submit to the wisdom of Scripture, they continue to find trouble upon trouble. But contrast that in verse 10 again with wisdom. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, 
There is no advantage to the charmer. In other words, that old adage, work smarter, not harder. Sharpen the axe before you chop the wood. Charm the snake first so that you don't get bit. Wise people know how to get the job done. Whether in the home, at work, school, those who give themselves to the way of wisdom will have a God-given clarity in how to move forward. It continues, verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. Similar idea in Proverbs 15 too. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. A wise man or woman speaks words that bring life and truth. Fools, conversely, speak many proud words. The end of that verse has this idea of none of us know what is to come in the days to come, but a fool pretends like they know it all. Fools' words bring problems, they bring confusion, and they bring pain. Think of the lasting pain when a parent ridicules their child, berates their child, or makes fun of their child. And think of the lasting good when a parent affirms their child, encourages their child, and comforts their child. Wisdom versus folly in the words that are said. Verse 15, the toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Again, the New Living Translation, fools are so exhausted by a little work that they can't even find their way home. This is speaking of laziness, which will come up again in a moment, which is a common theme in the wisdom literature of the Bible. Fools don't like to work. They prefer video games and sleeping until 2.30 instead of a hard day's work. They prefer going house to house with the day's gossip than the disciplined path of productivity and resourcefulness. We'll come back to that in a second. Verse 16, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Speaking of immature leadership with no self-control. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. When good leaders rule, things go well for the people under their charge. When bad leaders rule, things go bad for people under their charge. It's why in Scripture we're commanded to pray for our government. Wherever in the world you are, whichever government you sit under and whatever form that government takes, we should pray for good, just, honorable leadership. Because when that is in place, the people flourish. When there is corrupt or unjust or wrong leadership, 
the people suffer. It's a biblical truth played out in history. I'm reading the book, Call Me American, by Abdi Nur Iftin. It's a story of the Somali Civil War of the 1990s. When, what it was like to growing up as a kid in Mogadishu when lawlessness ruled the day. It's a painful memoir of what happens when bad people are put in power. In Somalia's case, warlords vying for power and the people suffer terribly and are continuing to suffer the effects of that in modern-day Somalia. Where there's good leadership, the people flourish. Proverbs 28, 12. When the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. And when the wicked rule, the people groan. Wisdom and folly. Back to laziness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in. And through indolence, the house leaks. Because fools don't like to work, stuff goes undone. And things requiring attention do not get it. Justin, who oversees an organization that works in the Philippines, pointed out that in the Philippines, in the villages, your roofs are made of palm. And it requires regular attention for someone to get up onto the roof and organize and replace. Otherwise, within a matter of days or weeks, your house is going to be leaking. If it's not cared for with diligence, the roof begins to leak, which is the picture given to us here. Lazy people, foolish people, don't want to provide that constant attention. Verse 19, bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Interesting change in thought, leading to lots of discussion in commentaries and scholarship about what on earth does that mean. Best view is if you take a step back, you look at Ecclesiastes as a whole, it's consistent that section is with the enjoyment passages elsewhere in Ecclesiastes, which call us to enjoy the simple blessings of life. So, wise people, we can conclude, know how to enjoy the simple things in life. A good meal with friends, a hearty laugh, playing with your sons and daughters or your nieces and your nephews. And while obviously we cannot serve God in money, that's clear in the scriptures, and the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, that's clear in the scriptures, money is not an evil in and of itself. And when used wisely, it's a blessing. Tonight, it will likely be raining in this great city of ours. Who among us will not enjoy the hard-earned money that someone earned to pay for the home or the apartment or the dormitory that we will enjoy rest from the rain this evening? And lastly, verse 20, this comparison, folly, wisdom, folly, wisdom, folly, wisdom. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. Nor in your bedroom, curse the rich. 
For a bird of the air will carry your voice or some winged creature tell the matter. It's where we get our, maybe where we get our English phrase, a little birdie told me. Um, The freedoms of America, where we do have the right to publicly disagree with the government, can keep the application of this feel somewhat foreign to us. But remember, this book was not just written for Western Christians in 2020, all peoples in all places at all times. And if we lived in another country with a particular totalitarian government, we would know exactly what this means. When we lived in Tunisia many years ago, you did not say anything against the government. To your closest friends, mums the word. Because in those countries ruled by dictators, People who spoke against the government often disappeared and no one knew what happened to them. It's not uncommon in countries ruled by dictators. Regardless of the specific context that you live in, wise people are careful what they say and who they say it to. Knowing even words shared in confidence among friends can come to light. And cause many problems. A good and loving father. Has shown us contrasting ways. He's put two meals in front of us. One well prepared with nourishing food. And one poorly prepared with stuff that's going to cause harm. He's put two paths in front of us. One that leads to life. And one that leads to death. In obedience to the scriptures. Because of the grace that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us. Choose the way of wisdom. And if you do not know Jesus. You have yet to turn from your sin and believe the gospel. We call you. We invite you. To turn from the sin which is destroying you. And submit to the life-giving words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Which calls us to wisdom versus folly. Help us to walk in the way of wisdom. By the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.